0: super special guest, and I say that quite often, but I know this one is going to make one of my best friends so jealous, which makes me infinitely happy. Um, Christian Roro is uh, here joining me today. Christian is a representative uh, band ma- manager of Trampled by Turtles, um, has a long history of being in the music industry, and we're going to get into that today. But Christian, I just want to say you know, first, thank you so much for joining the show.
1: Hey, man. Thanks for having me
0: absolutely so um i will keep digging at my buddy ethan uh probably this this whole episode he is huge 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 fan i did not tell him that this is happening so when the episode airs is when he's gonna figure out i figured hey let's have some fun surprise him and everything but (laughs) that's what friends (laughs) are for Exactly. Exactly. We like to have fun around here, but uh, Christian, I would love to, you know, just I I want to get to know you too, as well as the listening audience here. Just a um, little bit of background to start. You know, where where are you from? What was your upbringing like? And uh, you know, I imagine music somehow tied into all that. But I'll let you tell us.
1: Yeah. So I grew up in New Jersey. I'm from a town called Glen Rock, which is right outside New York City. So. New York's always been sort of in my life and just like music's always been in my life. I mean, I've been obsessed with it since I was a little kid and I wound up, uh, you know, growing up outside the city. And then I wound up going to college in New York City at NYU. And I went to school for journalism thinking I wanted to be a writer. I always sort of enjoyed that. And as I was kind of going through the program, I was just slowly kind of just getting turned off to journalism. But all along not even consciously, but all along my, my studies, I was just interning at tons of places and they all happened to be music business internships. I didn't even realize music business was a thing, but I just happened to just, you know, I would do like four or five internships at a time through various things that all happened to be circled around music. And then my senior year, I got a internship kind of like a glorified internship for a large record distributor uh, called BMG at the time. This is like mid to late nineties. This is like 97. Um, And I had like, you know, I got, I got paid, I had, you know, a small stipend for a college student was pretty good, but I had like responsibilities and duties. And then that was my first sort of paid gig in the music industry. And then I got hired right after I graduated by that company. And I worked in, on the distribution side of the record business. And this is like late nineties. This is peak sort of Britney Spears, Backstreet Boys, you know, just the. You know, CDs were selling for like eighteen dollars a pop or almost twenty dollars a pop. So the the industry was just flush with cash right before Napster and all that stuff came and broke it down. Um, so that's how I sort of cut my teeth in in the industry was just on the record company side of things. Super removed from artists, though. You know, I was just a. I mean, I was young and I was just a, a cog in a, in the machine of this you know massive global sort of company. But I had just been in the music business since then, Um, and I stayed there about seven years, and then I wound up moving down to Nashville in my late twenties and started working for Thirty Tigers. Then, and Thirty Tigers was a small distribution company, but on a on a you know a much smaller level than than BMG was at that time. But it was basically a company where artists would retain ownership, as opposed to a traditional record deal where you sign away your rights. uh, The artist would retain ownership of their masters and then 30 tigers would act as a label services they would sort of act as their team and it was uh, so I kind of started work. I started working there and then I got into management
0: uh, while I was down there and and working at 30 tigers before we stick with the music because that's what I want to dig deep into but the journalism piece actually is interesting to me that I also went to college uh, for journalism at first and just kind of I don't know fell out of care for it because of the the way that newspapers were going and you know th- things like that I guess but I still love to write do you do you still love to write do you get to write
1: I don't do it and I that's kind of just just lazy on my part I still enjoy it <laughs> you know I still like like diaries type stuff and and you know I I felt like I was always pretty pretty good at it but yeah the actual journalism journalist journalistic side of it sort of turned me off but I don't write anymore and I've been thinking about recently sort of trying to pick it up again but you know sometimes at the end of the day after a long day of of work and it's just like I just don't feel like <laughs> typing more you know what I mean like like for yeah stuff. so I probably need to to turn that attitude around a little bit because I do miss it just to, to some degree but uh sure yeah no I definitely got you know journalism I was young, you know, I didn't, I, I thought that's, that's sort of what I, what I wanted to do because I did it sort of enjoy writing, but I slowly just got turned off by just the who, what, when, why, and how you just get so like desensitized to like, you know, when we were like learning yeah. just journalism, basic stuff, it's like, you know, professors would sort of give like, okay, here's a bus, here's all the details of this bus crash, you know, write about this sort of, write, write about this. And and after a while, you just get really desensitized to the details of all of that. And I was just like, I don't know if this is really for me. It just seems just too, a little too removed. I don't know if that's the right word, but, um, and then I was like, Oh, maybe I'll just see focus on like feature stuff and music journalism stuff. And then after a while I just got really turned off to that because I don't know, there's just such like pretentiousness in that world I feel. And, and at the, like, I don't think personally I would, buy something or not buy something based on a review of some sort of someone else's opinion you know so i kind of just got turned yeah. off to that really young so i was like i don't really want to do that that's not super interesting to me and then just this music yeah. business thing just kind of like
0: unknowingly yeah. kind
1: of just stepped into that didn't realize what i was doing all along so
0: we wound up working out sure. yeah yeah absolutely and i think you're a lot like me in the sense where it's kind of like when you want to write you just want to have that creative outlet and not have so many restrictions uh, per se or or anything like that. So, uh, if if you haven't, um, if you don't follow any writers on this app or if you never heard of it, it's called Substack. Um, yeah. I would definitely take a look into that. And and I use it like for my personal writing because it's it's just like whenever something pops up that I want to write about, I I write about it. And, you know, there's like no pressure or anything. You can get free subscribers, you know, and and whatnot if if you're really good at it, you can get people to pay for your work. But um, you know, that that might be something if you're interested in, you know, diving down that uh path in the future to look into. But let's go back to the music. So uh you know starting on the distribution side and then you know like you said you obviously move on to the to the people management side. Like was that the goal all along? Did that just Happen because of your work ethic and, and the people that you connected with?
1: I got to say, like, just all I never, things, you know, wound up working out well, but I never really had a master plan. I never really had like <laughs> a goal that this is where I was going to end up. I mean, you know, I've been thankfully presented opportunities and I think I just sort of seized it, but it was never like a conscious sort of thing that I ever actually pursued. And coming out of that massive distribution system where I was so far removed from, managers and, and artists really like I didn't even know what managers did or what that even was. I was always on the record company side of things. And then how I got into management um, when I was at 30 Tigers and I was working on the distribution side, uh, I moved to Nashville and I you know new friends down there someone some friends of friends brought me to see a some friends of theirs from Atlanta, a band from Atlanta. That came into town to play and i was just so blown away by this band you know and they played i don't know if it's the five spot or just you know the basement something small in nashville then at the time this is like 2007 i think um and i was just so blown away by this band and i didn't know what to do with my feelings and then a friend was like well why don't you manage them and i was like what's that <laughs> oh, i didn't really quite know what that was and then i sort of just there were some other managers at 30 tigers at the time so i kind of just started asking them about that i got to sort of an idea of what that is and then i convinced this band to let me manage them and then i just kind of just just jumped in and just started to you know just send cold call emails and cold calls and just try and just find opportunities and just organize stuff and then I just I started enjoying it I started getting good at it not like that brought any great success to that band or myself but it like you know I was making some progress and then the president of our company David Macias he was managing a couple artists at the time and he sort of brought me in on those projects and then you know so sort I of further started just you know just honing in skills that way um and then it just you know just kind of kept snowballing from there so it's a uh, so that's kind of it was never a conscious thing to get into management but it just kind of like happened, you know?
0: Yeah. You have the skill set; might as well go for it. I don't know uh, so- the I
1: mean like, you know, there's these music <laughs> business kids that like they go to college for this stuff. Like, I didn't even know. NYU did have a music business program, but I didn't even know that that was, that was a thing that that was even available right. to me. And these music business kids can probably run circles around me around, you know, <laughs> with just specifics of music business admin or whatever. But I think with management, it's like, it's sink or swim. You got to figure it out. You're going to fit. You're going to be good at it or not. You know, you can't be taught it. You know, it's like there's just a lot of trial and error. You're going to you're going to it's going to sort itself out. Who could who can survive? And it's hard. It's a hard gig. You know, it's. Starting out is hard because there's no money. Even when you, some money does start coming in, it's just hard to maintain. Like it's, it's, it's just crazy. You know, sometimes sure. I think
0: about it and it's like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> well, it, it seems like you're having fun, though. It's, uh, I love worth it. it. I'm, say, I'm saying, yeah. that just, but it's, uh, it's, it's
1: pretty daunting if you kind of stop and think about. It. It's like, wow.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So. Bring me back, you know, you talked about earlier music just being such an instrumental part of your life. Like what were growing up, you know, some of those influences, bands, individual artists, you know, things like that. And are you still connected to that type of music these days?
1: My Like from a fan
0: me- standpoint?
1: Yeah, definitely. My earliest musical memories. So my parents, my parents um, are European. My father was there. I'm. Polish. My parents are both Polish, but my father was born and raised in France, but it was just like a Polish family, just born and raised in France. I'm not French at all. But he was always obsessed, obsessed with music. And um, his record collection was massive. And like my earliest musical memories were Abba and this group called Boney M. Both of those, I mean, those Abba's massive globally. Boney M were massive in Europe at the time in the late 70s. They were this sort of like Jamaican disco band out of Germany. But they were huge there. They'd be like a stadium act. And ABBA was, you know, especially massive in Europe. So they had very European taste. They had just, you know, moved to the States in the early 70s, but they kept their sort of Euro vibes and they would play those records. And so those were my earliest musical memories and just the harmonies and just the beats and and all of that. So, you know, I still love those bands. Those are my earliest favorites. And then right after that, like I just, like, KISS kind of came into my radar. Like, before even, like, musically, I really got what they were, but just, like, the the monster aspect of them. And, again, I was young. This is, like, you know, it's probably, like, this is probably, like, 1980 or something. I was, like, four years old. But I just remember early memories of just seeing KISS and being kind of terrified, but seeing them with these guitars <laughs> and this aggressive sort of vibe. And it's like, what is this? You know, so I always kind of credit, like, my earliest musical influences would be like ABBA and Kiss, you know? And it's just kind of like the pop sensibilities of ABBA but sort of like the the monster and the the masquerade and the the aggression of, you know, something like Kiss was at that time. Um and then it just kind of kept going from there.
0: Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um are you still you know, fans of that, that type of music then like that hasn't changed or has your musical taste changed? Like since you got into the music industry? Uh,
1: I think I have a very, I love all music. There's something in every genre that I love, but I mean, at heart, I'm a heavy metal kid. You know, that's something that's definitely sort of stayed. So it's kind of funny. I've never worked with a heavy metal band. I've worked with all kinds of genres, uh, very far removed from, from metal. But I think that's my sort of like that's my sort of home, you know, like that's so, so that's sort of there. And I think part of that too, because I don't know anybody in any, in the hard rock, heavy metal sort of world. Like I'm not, it's still kind of like fun for me. You know, I'm not deconstructing. Like when I'm seeing a band, they're like, I don't know anybody. I don't know their booking agents. I don't know. I don't think about their marketing plans. You know what I mean? Like the Damn. curtains not pulled back there. So it's still very sort of special for me. And that's not to say that, you know, genres or bands where I do know the agents, where that sort of affects that. I still, you know, I love music. I'm obsessed with music, but there's just something that I've loved from an early age of just, you know, Kiss and Motley Crue, and that that was my earliest sort of tastes or um, exposure in that sort of world that just sort of stuck. And there's something that I'll just, just always has a special place in my heart there.
0: Yeah, that innocence is still alive. You know, it feels like with with that type of music specifically. Like,
1: yeah, I don't know if Molly Crew is really could see, you know, especially in the early '80s, Molly Crew is that innocent per se. But yeah, <laughs> right.
0: innocent. In <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so uh, you know, tell me then, how do you get connected to Trampled? Like, what's that journey to getting introduced to that band, and you know, eventually becoming somebody who represents them?
1: So this is like 2009. I was, by that point, I had been managing for maybe like a year or so, year maybe almost almost two years by that point. But I was co-managing this, this bass player, singer-songwriter from Memphis called Amy LeVere, and I was doing that with our president, David. And uh, we were up, and I was up in New York with her. We were doing the Conan O'Brien show at the time. And there was nice. a guy that I befriended – he was working at this website jam base at the time and he i knew he was a fan of amy's so uh we i invited him to whatever little after party that we were doing after we played COVID or something he kind of came down to hang and and afterwards we were walking to the subway and he's like hey so i've been talking to this this bluegrass band out of minnesota called trampled and they got a little thing going and you know you have a day job i have a day job would you be interested in co-managing these guys and i'll be honest i'm not really a bluegrass guy but uh, I sort of just went home and I looked at um, their my I listened to their MySpace page and what came out was the song Empire and it just broke my heart and I was like and and it wasn't the bluegrass that I was expecting it to be and I was like you know like I can yes I get this like I I love this and and I think I can um, offer i think i could bring something here uh so then so then we flew out and we we hung with them and then we started working together and we started just co-managing them and didn't really we also kind of went into that a bit blindly didn't really sort of realize what a co-managing situation is or anything like that we just started doing it and and we started having success with those guys and then after a while yeah we started just slowly getting some some success with them and then they're from Minnesota and they were friends with Span Low, Lowe, old school indie rock band. And uh, they told us about them. They were looking for management. So then we started working with those guys. And then, you know, we're having some, some success with those guys as well. And then from there, just working around Minnesota, we just got to know the promoters, the radio there, and also just like just learn the sort of. I mean, you know, is that, you know, Prince is from there, you know, it's like, you know, the replacements from there, but you really just kind of start learning the market and the hist- the rich Minnesota musical history that's there. Um, and and you sort of working in that scene, you sort of get it like, like Minnesota people love their own. And there's such a strong scene there because they had the current supports local bands and people go out and support the local bands. It's not just about national acts that come in. So when there were cool bands popping around town, we would be the first to be tipped off about it. So like we were t- tipped off about Lizzo early on, and we were tipped off about hippocampus early on, we started working with those guys that we were their first managers too. So um, and then from there, you know, things just sort of blossom with some other acts too. Um, Jeff and I stopped working together around 2016. And then I've been with trampled just uh, as the sole manager since since then.
0: It seems like there's like a, uh, a link of integrity, if you will, into the sense that for you to manage a band is more than just like, hey, I'm I'm going to be your manager. Like you took some time, like with the example of Trampled, you said, you know, you went you went on their MySpace page and you know, listened to their music and everything. And it was like, oh, okay, this... I like this music, I can get into this and everything. Like, is that important to you to like actually enjoy what it is that you're representing?
1: I definitely have to enjoy what it is, but the most important thing to me in management is I have to like and respect the people. I have to have a vibe with the person, you know, and I have to feel there's a connection in there. If that's not there, then it's hard for me to, to, to do anything else. And my early my, my early years in the music industry where I was working for this massive distributor where I had to go into, you know, Tower Records in the village and promote our latest releases where I would have to promote the new Britney Spears, Whitney Houston, David Gray, Dave Matthews, some baby band. I had to do all of this stuff. I had to promote it all sort of equally whether or not I liked this stuff or not, whether or not I went home and was obsessed with whatever particular record, I still had to sort of serve as its promoter there at that time. You know what I mean? So I learned sure. to sort of uh, promote stuff that I'm not necessarily, you know, I don't like live and breathe it. You know what I mean? It's not to say I don't I don't like it and I don't respect it or see its value, but um, I think just having that sort of early that sort of early education music, that promoting music that way, spilling into management. Of course, I have to lo- I have to, to 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 love the stuff I'm working with, but honestly, it's really more about the people, you know. And then from there, I
0: can kind of work work anything, you know. Yeah, that's very cool. Very cool. So, you know, if you had to break this down for my two and a half year old daughter in a very simplistic way, what would you say? You know, being A long tenure now as representative uh, of Trampled, like, what is it that you are trying to accomplish as their manager, as their representation?
1: With Trampled,
0: we just celebrated
1: 20 years, 20-year anniversary just last week, actually. I've been with them 14 years, so... I mean, it's hard to keep a band together for five years, you know, ten years. I mean, twenty years. It's incredible, and especially like with a band like Trampled, who it's not a household name. Definitely have their successes and definitely have their hardcore base, but it's still not a household name if you'd say it to, you know, some rando on the street. So I think for Trampled, I mean, first of all, it's it's what do they want? Helping them achieve their goals and what they sort of want. Helping them maintain their business and you know, helping advising them on how to navigate the music industry you know that which changes i mean how i've been with them 14 years the amount of changes that we've sort of seen in in that time you know just with just various social media platforms and the way people are consuming music so it's you're the sort of eyes and ears on the ground for just how the music industry is changing so it's it's really just just helping them navigate the waters and and for the next 20 years you know they let them focus on what they do best and that's performing shows, writing music, making great records. And then um, it's my job to figure out how we get it to the people, you know, and run a a successful business.
0: So it seems like there's a really cool synergy that's needed to like have a successful partnership then, right. You know, to, for them to trust you to be the person who can block all that extra noise and just allow them to, like you said be the artist write the music put it together and everything and then for you to find the venues for them to perform and market it out there so that people know who they are um, is is that what a you know I'm I'm hearing that correctly I guess is what I'm saying definitely i mean an artist manager
1: relationship trust is such a thing and and that's not to say that there aren't moments where there's there's uh, disagreement you know and and ultimately i mean you the manager artist relationship you all you ideally want to you're not going to see eye to eye all the time but you if most of right. the time you guys are traveling down the same road together and you and you see it then then that's great but there are going to be times where you sort of disagree um but if after a while there's just constant disagreement you know then it's probably not the relation right relationship and that's not to say in the 14 years i've been with trampled we've seen eye to eye all the time but overall you know i think they they trust me on on my advice. Um and I trust them on on their art, you know, and what they what what they do there. Um so we're just and you know, there's probably times where, you know, either side might sort of not see what the other side is doing. And and ultimately the band, you know I work for the band. The band is they, I might be I might believe one thing, and ultimately, if the band just don't want to do it for a reason, that's it's up to me to to work around that. You know, I just have to sure. uh, deal with uh, what they want to do. So I just put my best foot forward and what I think is the best advice. and And usually, we we ninety five percent of the time, maybe even ninety nine percent of the time, we see eye to eye. So so it's been good. I always kind of joke with them. I will take trampled by turtles problems at their worst. Over ninety nine percent of any other artist' problems, so I've I've had such a good run with with these guys, and I'm really grateful for it. So,
0: yeah, that's awesome, that's awesome. Uh, Christian. I've got I've got a few questions left for you here before I let you go. Sure. So, um, you know, just I guess last question around you know achievements and goals and things that you know you're doing as the manager. What would you say in your fourteen years is your proudest achievement? I
1: don't know if there's one particular moment that I'm proudest about, but overall, especially like, you know, with with it being the 20th anniversary of this year, the fact that we've made it this long and the fact that right. like we're about to embark on uh opening for a guy called Zach Bryan, who's you know really successful right now sold out arena tour you know he's just a massive fan of the band so he invited the band to come along so the fact that like 20 years in we're seeing the influence of the band on this younger generation of artists who are you know i mean just frankly just bigger than us but they're seeing you know they're sort of like tipping their hat to to what trampled meant to them being a part of something like that is just really, really special to me, you know. And there's a lot of other younger bands that that Trampled has been an influence on. Camp as one of those bands. Um, so drawing a blank on some other ones, but seeing that you know the influence that Trampled subtly had over the years, that's really special. And it's really special to be a part of something like that. And it's also really special, you know. I get tons of emails of people just just telling their stories of like, you know, we the music of trampled they walk down the aisle to that you know it's my dad's favorite band and he passed away uh it's our little kid's favorite you know just all these stories of just the happy times the sad times like you just see just just how how much the band's music moves people and that's that's just something that's bigger than all of us and that's the most special thing to me
0: um but there's not really like one event that really comes to mind that it's like oh hell yeah you know still getting goosebumps i think that's awesome that that specialness like it absolutely you can feel it i've seen these guys so many times now and i still
1: get emotional at shows and especially some bigger (laughs) ones and even ones that you would never think it. you know like grand rapids michigan 2022 is one of my favorite shows i've ever seen of the guys and almost as magical as some of like the red rock shows you know so it's like it's i love that i get to see these guys and especially as we've been doing it for so long i just see just how like just special when the six of those guys get on stage, just like what a thing it is and just how uniquely trampled it is. You know what I mean? And just to be a part of that, it's like it it moves me every time I see them. And I just, you know, it's it that's probably my most uh
0: like just the proudest thing that I get to be involved in that, you know? Sure. Yeah, I love that phrase, uniquely trampled. I'm gonna uh I'm gonna use that, I think, in the future. And hold yeah. on to that red rocks thought because I have my final question is around yeah. your upcoming. Red Rock show. Uh, a couple quick hitters here. Do you have a favorite band song? A favorite trampled song? Yes.
1: This is a tough one, but I think a song that just makes me really happy every time I hear it is a song called Annihilate from Life is Gun on the Open mm-hmm. Road in 2018. I just, that song just brings me joy every time on record, live. Thankfully, they play it. A lot so i get to hear it often and and that's a song that i just i love
0: yeah i um do love that song too whiskey's a really uh fun one uh for me it's hard i know they didn't write this song but their cover is so good and it was the wedding song for my wife and i uh wildflowers Uh, that that cover just knocks me off my feet every single time i hear it so um that one's really hard for me to say Like. God, I know they didn't write it, but they're really good at performing it.
1: <laughs> that was a really special song too, because Trampled kind of took a break in um, what was it, 2017, and guys were just kind of you know just taking some family time, just just doing some other sort of stuff. And, and it was when Tom Petty passed away, where yeah. they all were like, you know, guys, like let's let's go for a little retreat, let's do like a band retreat in the weekend or for the weekend and go into a cabin in the woods. And I think we might have even done just like a impromptu sort of like Facebook live stream, and right? They might've played that song, but it was, but then soon after they recorded that song, but that was kind of, you know, Tom Petty sadly passing was kind of what, you know, kind of in a sense just got the band back together. And wow. know, the, the
0: power of music sort of just like, like brought them back there and here we are. Wow. That's, that's a great story. I'm glad I brought that up. That's really cool to hear. Um, all right. Second to last question, favorite tour spot that you've ever, any any band, I guess, but if you want to stick with Trample, but favorite venue that a band has performed at that you, you hooked them up with?
1: I mean, Red Rocks never gets old. You know, there's there's, uh, there's an anxiety that I still sort of get and maybe like an imposter syndrome, like every time I sort of <laughs> walk into that place. and And thankfully, we get to do it every year. And it's just like... It just just you're just humbled and it's just just the magic of it never gets old. you know, when you get to when you're lucky enough to sort of just loiter around there during the day for sound check, you know, when they kick everybody out and it's just you know, the band and the crew and, and you just in this empty amphitheater and you're like, oh, you know, just how special that is. but then once all the people get in there and the energy of the show and those shows always just wind up being so special. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to a show there, but it's every band knows, like every band just knows they're in a special place. The audience knows they're in a special place, and everybody collectively just brings it. And those are shows that never, never get old. And and it's just you know lucky that we get to do that every year. Um, the Ryman Auditorium is also just a really wonderful magic place. Just all the history of a room like that, you know, that's sure. a, that, that's that's a wonderful place too. First Avenue in Minneapolis. That's just the, the legend of that place. And especially just, you know, working with the Minnesota band, just the history and all those amazing artists that, that, that walked on that stage, that's always really special there too.
0: So yeah, there's lots. Well, I'm glad to hear that Red Rocks is so high on your list because Ethan, who I mentioned, our other best friend, Matt and I, and, and a few others, we're all actually going to the Red Rocks show in July Uh, Um, And yeah, so I was, uh, my last question was just going to be, what advice would you have for us (laughs) to, uh, to enjoy that experience as much as possible?
1: You got, you got your friends, you got, whatever. you don't (laughs) want to see a band that you love. You don't really need anything else, you know, check the weather that day, it might rain, but like, you're just, just add band and you're fine. You got your friends in the band, you're all, you're good to go. So that place just makes memories for everyone. You see it on people's faces. You see it on the photos that everyone's sharing after, you know, and people keep coming back too. like, it's, it's a little sort of pilgrimage that people kind of make, which is a beautiful thing. It's a special, special night. So, uh, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna have a great time.
0: Oh, I'm thrilled. I'm excited. Can't wait for it. It's uh what, like three, three-ish months at, at this point. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. July 13th. Hell yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So coming up quick, but, uh, Kristen, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for taking the time talking to us about your career and, you know, the band and, and everything. Um, I'm rooting so hard for all of you and it'll definitely be, this is my first time getting to see the band in in a few years, uh, Matt and Ethan get to see them uh, a little bit more. It's harder with, with two kids, but, um, definitely excited to, you know, get to see them again. And, um, you're just, really can't thank you enough for this. It was really special for me and I I hope you enjoyed it too.
1: Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening and supporting all these years and we'll see you down the road.